0: As is pretty much always the case, when you don't take notes, you're going to forget things you wanted to say. Uh, Especially on a show like mine, it's pretty much 100% rambling. And there was a little bit I wanted to add that was important about global warming. And it's unfortunate that global warming is a political topic. I mean, I know that's the only way that we can engage it as people, is to politicize it. But speaking about it as an idea shouldn't be political. And I brought it up briefly in the episode I just did, but I wanted to say more about it. I got distracted. And when you think about global warming, like you think about how these different processes play out, and I used the example of using that inner fire as a way to clear your mind, as well as to motivate you, as well as to help you make 100 free throws in a row. But to clear your mind, for one, um, and, you know, speaking of the digestive process and the idea of emptying your stomach out after you have been binge eating, and I don't mean that to sound gross. I just mean literally like feeling hungry again, when you suddenly, your stomach growls and you're like, okay, my body has processed everything and I actually feel hungry again for the first time in two days. You know that's the result of your body heating things from the inside, and that's what—that's one thing I do know about digestion, is that the body is very hot, and it it breaks down that food through some hot process. It's a hot process, baby. Uh, and you think about what's going on with global warming, where, you know, first of all, there's this giant ball of fire that heats our planet. The planet is. Filled apparently with this magma, so this hot burning liquid. And it just seems inevitable that something that is comprised entirely of fire from the inside and is constantly getting heated with a giant ball of fire from the outside, it seems inevitable that that planet would experience global warming, right? <laughs> I mean, it just seems like, a, a, you know, it seems like an incredible phenomena phenomenon that there would be any period of time where that planet is habitable at all. It seems like it's just an incredible you know exception to the rule that there would be any period of time on this planet where it is is habitable. It is filled with fire and it is constantly being heated by an even larger body of fire. And then we think the things that we're doing on this planet are then the cause of it all, which we might be. We might be the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, our technology, the things we are doing with our little balls of fire might very well be the thing that is causing that balance between the Earth's inner fire and the galaxy's giant ball of fire called the sun. We might be the very thing that is causing it to go over the tipping point. I don't know. And... The thing about global warming is, I do think we should be conscious of that possibility and all of the signs that are pointing to that reality and do what we can to counteract it. Because it's scary for obvious reasons. The idea of, of total apocalypse is obviously fucking scary. If we can't deal with the idea of our own personal death, the idea of the death of everything, is obviously going to be a really scary idea that's hard to cope with and I do think we should do what we can do to counteract that and not just in the bigger picture of stopping global warming but also just to make our world prettier because the things that we can do to try to counterbalance what's going on are things that will make our world more aesthetically pleasing and just more harmonious in general I mean that's my opinion. Uh, but at the same time, you can do that and also accept that we might get burnt out into a crisp of nothingness. And that's actually why I wanted to bring up global warming is because in that same way that we fear getting hungry, we fear that empty stomach. And we also tend to overcomplicate our lives because for whatever reason, we are afraid of nothingness of of this mental nothingness, because that to us is boredom. And I meant to say that in the episode as well, that the reason why we run away from mental emptiness and we overcomplicate our lives and think about this and distract ourselves with this and we need all this entertainment and distraction is because we are terrified of boredom. But it doesn't have to be boredom. You can experience a serene emptiness. You know, you can experience a form of boredom that is much like staring at a fire and being completely transfixed. But in the same way that we are afraid of that mental emptiness that we call boredom and we are afraid of that stomach emptiness that we call hunger, we're afraid of this planet being empty. We are terrified about the fact that, you know, our planet might have nothing on it. And in the same way that our stomach can get overloaded and it actually is a relief to feel hunger or that our mind might get so just convoluted with crap and, you know, obligations and thoughts and gossip and wires getting crossed that it is a major relief to actually think about nothing for your brain to become empty. You have to almost wonder if our planet has become so oversaturated, and in particular with human activity, if there are just too many people doing too many things, that something like global warming, like apocalypse, Ragnarok, the end of the Kali Yuga, if these things that have been prophesized for so long and are are now being prophesized by scientists and their fans, You know, is that not that same process, too? We're back to as above, so below. Is not, and and is is global warming not some way for emptiness to, to be achieved on a planetary scale? And while we don't know what the Earth thinks or if it thinks at all, is that not something that might in some way be desirable? I don't know, I mean, I I can't speak for what a planet wants or doesn't want. I can't speak for what the universe thinks is right. I can't speak for the balance of things that are so far beyond my comprehension that I wouldn't even be able to describe them and can't. But it does make you wonder if there is a bigger picture to this, to what goes on. There are so many examples of things getting heated up and that causing something to become empty as a result. And is that not playing out on a much larger scale? And in the same way that we fear that same process happening within our own body and within our own mind, is that same fear what is motivating us to, you know, rally against the idea of an uninhabited earth? Because at that point, you know, There's nothing for you to accept or reject. If that is the inevitable, you know, culmination of human activity and life on planet Earth, just nothingness, it doesn't matter whether you accept or reject it, because it it simply is the fundamental nature of reality. And that doesn't mean we have to encourage it or provoke it. And that means we can also do what we can, you know, even just if it's for aesthetic reasons. Even if we just like looking at the rainforest, even if we just like things to be green, you know, we don't, we don't even have to think about it in terms of like, let's save the planet. We got to save the planet today. And if you don't help, it's all your fault. You know, you don't even have to think about it that way. You can just think, you know, it would be nicer if I looked out my window and I saw green things. It'd be nicer if I didn't have to develop some kind of suit that will allow me to withstand 150 degree temperature every day in 2050. And I don't know if that's going to be the reality or not. But if it is, and I personally can't do anything more to stop that process from happening, I have to accept it. I have to accept that in the same way that I might feel hunger, or I might feel boredom. I might also fear the apocalypse. I might also fear the similar emptiness that might play out on a planetary scale. And that's hard to accept. And it's, it's hard to accept somebody saying that without assuming that they are trying to be edgy or they're trying to, you know, encourage it. But the idea that, oh, I'm all about people doing what they can to counterbalance the effects of climate change. But if climate change is inevitable, if extinction is inevitable, if the apocalypse is what is going to happen one way or another, are you going to get mad at me for accepting it? And, you know, in the same way that you can frame, you know, an empty mind as boredom... Or frame an empty stomach as hunger, I think that's what we do when we we use words like extinction or apocalypse. And if you look at the emptying of the earth as something that's not good or bad, but as just what happens in a world that is so ruled by fire, and if fire itself can disappear as quickly as it does. You know, who is to say that we, you know, need to hold on to to it ourselves? You know, who is to say that we need to like cling to the earth ourselves if even fire disappears so quickly? And so I think it's, it's smart for people to accept that that is one possible outcome of all this, is that no matter how hard we try, no matter who you vote into office, no matter which laws get passed, we may have to accept that emptiness is the inevitable result of all these years we put into this planet. And is that a waste? Was well, it a waste when someone dies? I mean, I don't look, having recently lost my mom, I don't look at her, at her life and say, oh, you know, it would have been a success if she made it to age 80. Oh, she died just before her 72nd birthday. Oh, no, you know. It's all a waste because she didn't make it to 72. No, in 71 years, she was a success. Her life was a success. When I was 16, a good friend of mine died. He was 16 years old, and I would have loved for him to become an adult. I would have loved for him to go through all the steps that a person goes through between age 16 and I'm 34 now. So I would have loved to have seen what he would have done over the last 18 years. And I have no doubt that it, w- it would have been, it, it would have absolutely been impressive to see what he would have done with his adult years. But I'm not going to say that those 16 years were a waste. I'm not going to say that death, that whatever emptiness occurred because you know no matter where the soul goes or if there is a soul or what process happens when someone dies, you know, there is an emptiness that is being created when someone dies. That person is no longer inhabiting their body and they are no longer a part of your daily life, at least not in the form that they once were. But I'm not gonna say that death made all of those years you spent with them meaningless. You know, I'm not going to say that because it's not true. And in that same way, does a planetary scale emptiness negate all of the years that humans put in on this planet? Does it negate the whole human experience if none of us are going to be around in 200 years? I don't think so. And I think that's an important way to frame it, too. And again, this isn't an excuse to... Accept it, or well, I would say accept it. But this isn't. This is not an excuse to encourage it, or deny it, or do anything else that someone's going to accuse you of doing when you say that you have a level of acceptance when it comes to something like climate change and potential "quote unquote" extinction. It's not that at all. You can still have a full range of motion in the same way that I was talking about. You can still have a full range of motion when you don't believe in anything. When you consider yourself a nihilist and you don't believe in anything, you can do healthy things for their own sake. And that's almost a greater act of nihilistic rebellion than, you know, sticking a needle in your arm. Eating healthy or not, you know, staying sober is almost more of a nihilistic act in some way than destroying yourself. And I think in the same way, you can look at something and say, you know, if it's true that you know we're going to get wiped off this planet, that no life is going to be on this planet in a thousand years, in a hundred years, tomorrow, whatever you know timeline you want to put this whole thing in, uh, that everyone's been prophesizing forever, you know, you can look at that and you can say, I can still do good. I can still you know, frame things in a way that is ultimately constructive, even if everything is going to get wiped out. And that almost gives you more motivation. That almost makes it more important. Because if things were just going to go on forever, if planet Earth was just going to go on forever exactly the way it is right now, that to me seems like less motivation to do good. That just seems like, okay, well, you know, a lot of different people are going to get a lot of different chances to make it right on planet Earth. But if there's a limited amount of time for humans to be on this planet, doesn't that make you want to be one of the good ones? Doesn't that make you want to take more responsibility and make this time meaningful? In the same way that my friend who died at 16 truly made those 16 years meaningful. He didn't waste them. You know, and I don't say that with any rose-colored glasses on. He was a person who made those 16 years fun and interesting and inquisitive and meaningful. And I'm so glad he did because it made his death less of a tragedy to me because I saw what he did with that limited amount of time. And then I look at my mom, and it's like, in those 71 years, she did so much. And, yeah, if she had been given another year, she would have done even more. But I think you can look at, you know, our entire species the same way and say, if we have a limited amount of time here, if emptiness is inevitable... Why not make use of what we're doing when things aren't empty? And that's also the way that you have to look at your thinking and your your diet, where it's like I was saying in the, in the episode I just did how, you know, first of all, you can reframe what hunger is and what boredom is, and you can just see them as a form of emptiness and make them somewhat desirable. But you can't exist in a state of emptiness all the time because we are on this middle path. We are in this area in between these extremes where we exist right now and emptiness will come, but we, are, we aren't we are entirely matter either. You know, we're not, we're not entirely this, you know, perpetual matter. We do die. Our bodies do disintegrate. So why don't we make the most of what we have right now? And, and I think like what I mean by bringing up, you know, thinking and diet again is, Because we can't just have an empty stomach all the time while we're alive, and we can't just go around thinking nothing all the time and existing in this empty mental state, why not make the thoughts that you do have to think even better? And why not eat stuff that is not just, not just tastes good, but that is good for you too? So it's not that you can exist in this perpetual state of emptiness. You can also make good use of the stuff that you do have to fill your life with and the stuff that you do have to fill your mind with and your stomach with. And while you're on the planet, why don't you do good things so that the planet can be comprised of something good too, even if the inevitable conclusion of it all is emptiness, just pure rock floating around in a black void. You know, you can make use of the things that you have to think, that you have to do, that you have to eat. And those things alone will make up the experience that you bring to the planet as a whole. And I can't think of anything more empowering in the face of, of global catastrophe global extinction global boredom you heard about global warming well i'm more worried about global boredom it's going to be so boring when there's nothing on the planet alive can you imagine how bored planet earth is going to be when it's just pure rock without any life on it uh but you know there's nothing more empowering to me than to think oh okay If I have a limited amount of time, which I do in my own life, but if our species has a limited amount of time and I have a limited amount of time within that species, why don't I make better use of it? Why don't I say the things I truly mean and make sure they're ultimately constructive, Why don't I make decisions in my own personal life that are going to make me feel a little bit better and give me more options, more opportunities, more possibilities, even if that possibility means just being able to sit down without any anxiety, without any worry, without any regret or fear. You know, those are the ways that you have to frame all of this and you know, you can make use of what's available to you right now. And to think that that could potentially make the limited time you have on Earth more valuable. And by making the limited amount of time on Earth that you personally have more valuable, you're in turn making the limited amount of time that our species has on Earth more valuable. And what's more empowering than that, to think that you're an ant carrying, (laughs) you know, your entire species on your back without even knowing it, you know, what's, you know, what's more empowering than that? Um, and to know that you can do that and you can do that just by, you know, making those kinds of decisions in your own life. I mean, that's pretty incredible. It's pretty fucking incredible, but, uh, you know, if global boredom is the inevitable result of everything. You can make good decisions while still accepting that that is a potential outcome, and if it happens on your in your lifetime, I can't think of a greater privilege. You know, none of us want to, you know, starve to death, freeze to death, burn to death, but if you're alive for the apocalypse that everybody's been talking about for eons, going back to ancient scriptures, That seems more like a privilege than a sentence. You know, that seems more like a privilege to be there in the end. You know, would you rather not be there? Would you rather not be there when the end times come? I don't know. I mean, some people might not. It's going to be scary if that is what happens. But would you rather leave it to somebody else? Would you rather not see it with your own eyes? Would you rather leave the responsibility to someone else. I would love to be able to take some level of responsibility in the face of the end. And I feel like you can do that right now because if the end is on your mind at all, you acknowledge that it is a potential outcome. You acknowledge that emptiness could be the end result of all of this. But to see emptiness as failure Or some sort of punishment. That's the wrong way to approach it. And I don't feel like you're going to get the things done that you want to get done. If you see things that way. And I think you should do the things that need to get done. And make the decisions that are going to make your life better. Just for the sake of doing them. Because the cumulative effect of everybody doing that. Is going to be so much larger. And to know that you had a process uh, you had some participation in that process, that's going to make your short time mean a whole lot more. And that's all you care about anyway, right? No, I don't know. I don't know what people care about. But if you know that you participated to your full ability in the face of any outcome, especially that outcome, I think you can rest easy even if the inevitable result is an empty planet in an empty universe with just a burning sun that we're probably afraid of, you know, we're probably afraid of that too. We're probably afraid that the sun isn't going to keep burning too. So it's like, even if you're no longer afraid of like global warming or you don't believe in this, or even if we fix global warming, we fixed it. Even if we fix it, What's the next thing you're going to worry about? Oh, now the sun's going to burn out. The sun's going to be empty. There's always an emptiness that you can find yourself fearing. And if you accept that emptiness is inevitable, I think you're going to be able to do a lot more. And is that so empty after all? Probably not. If you're able to do a lot more because of emptiness, That really makes you question what emptiness really is. This land is mine. God gave this land to me.